Welcome to season four of the Coffee and Geography podcast. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore, and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people and their love for the world. Join your host, Kit Marie Rackley, and have fun exploring all the myriad of ways guests can connect their lives to geography. Today, let's listen to Anti-Racism Work, Diversity, and Inclusion in Rural Areas, The Dilemma of Tattoos, Lived Experiences and Identities Between Rural and Urban Areas, amongst other things. Got your brew ready? Great! Enjoy the listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee and Geography. I really hope that if you listen, if you're listening to all of these in chronological order and you listen to last week's, you're not shivering in pain on, you know, in sympathy for me after last week, having done during electrolysis. I've told my current guest here that that's exactly what happened. Now, in terms of recording, that was only yesterday, even though these episodes are coming out week by week. Um, but moving on from that, because my face is still a little bit puffy, a bit sticky. I am here with Shabnam. And um, how are you, Shabnam? Good morning. Is it good morning? Good morning. Just about? Uh, no, yeah, it is. It's just about. Exactly. No, I'm good. I, I am good. Uh, I've not come from the uh, electrolysis. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, as somebody with uh, ADHD, I quite often stay up quite really late when I'm not supposed to, um, and I can't help it. And so I was this morning thinking, my God, are my eyes going to be puffy uh-huh. this morning? <laughs> Well, you kindly said that you don't think my face looks too puffy. I mean, you know, no, it was. It, it was. It's been twenty-four hours ish since the first zap. So you know, of yesterday. Um, so yeah, it's probably come down a bit. And I do slather my face with aloe and as much as I can, and take ibuprofen. Sort of. But anyway, enough about that nonsense. They, they, they heard <laughs> they've, every like three seconds. They heard this beeping noise last week, right, uh, on the podcast, oh, and, and that's every time I was being shocked. So I'll leave that for them. We'll move on. So to to introduce Shabnam, everybody, uh, she is an anti-racist educator, passionate about authenticity, equality, and empowerment. She has been in primary education for over 20 years, uh, in education in general for 30 years, serving diverse communities such as a class teacher, Senko, head teacher, and trustee. Um, she describes herself as a neurodistinct neuro Northeasterner. Now, I, I wanna, I'm want i going to ask you what you mean by that, because that's the first time I've called <laughs> I can't even say it. That's why it's so new. Neurodistinct Northeasterner who's been subverting from within for way too long. Here for decolonial japes. And it's probably too much for most, but I love it. That's exactly why you're on the podcast. <laughs> So neuro, a neurodistinct, I mean, obviously, if I, I can put those two words yeah. together and guess what you mean by that, but for, for, you as, for you as an identifier of yourself, what do you, what do you mean by neurodistinct? So I'm, I'm, I'm like really passionate about how society kind of others, anybody, any group, you know, marginalized or just that's different. So like when people say, oh, I'm neurodivergent, it's sort of, I keep thinking, yeah, I know, but just think about that word, right? Okay, neurodiversity. When we say biodiversity, we understand that that is just the norm. Biodiversity just means all the different types of creatures, etc. Yeah. But 
But, but then when we say neurodiversity, it's like, oh, well, hang on. But, you know, you're neurodiverse because you're a bit weird and, and yes. you, you have something. Um, it's not me. And it's like, no, no, hang on. Neurodiversity is everybody. You know, there are neurotypes include the so-called neurotypical. So I like to kind of just use distinct as a I, I can't remember where I where I heard it. I haven't it's not I haven't coined it. Mm. Um and I just thought, yeah, I like that. I like that I am distinct rather than different. You know, yeah. it kind of gives me a, a bit of a bit of agency and a bit of um, to kind of shout from the rooftops about what it's like to be autistic and have ADHD. You know, I mean, the, there are kind of so many different ways of being neurodistinct um, as well. So yeah, that's that's why I use that. A northeasterner because I'm I am I am you know I was brought up in the northeast all over the northeast. Yeah, we'll certainly so. get that. Don't you worry. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to practice saying neurodistinct now. Oh, I got it got it first time there. Um, yeah, there you go. I've been I've a few conversations both in and out of this podcast. Actually, I've been on a similar journey with that term actually as well myself because I I was like because I am certainly in that category myself uh I'm, I'm not i haven't been diagnosed with anything official like adhd or anything like that but i have every single trait in the checkbox for that um and yeah i've gone through this journey about thinking well neuro neurodivergent i was like okay and then slowly over time i was like that sending shiver down my spines and then you got then new you know neuro uh diverse which was a little bit nice because it sounds a bit like biodiverse but then again you're right it's like well you just you know, you're you're calling a spade a spade, really, aren't you? Because we're all neurodiverse, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, so neurodistinct. Yeah, I, I love I love this kind of morphing of of this term, which is to make it more appropriate. And yeah, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to uh, practice that one. Try and practice that. I mean, I mean, all of these words are really hard to say, <laughs> yeah. um, and I quite quite often I'm in seminars with my students, and I'm like. Uh, you know, uh, repeating the word three or four times before I get it right. It's like just, just that they're all so long and complicated. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of one of those um, because I, I, again, you know, I, I haven't been formally diagnosed, um, which is another kind of, you know, bugbear of mine mm. in terms of this diagnosis and, and kind of the, the sort of, pathologizing of something that is normal and natural um and making it seem like it's a problem or a, some sort of disease or something i carry around with me it's like uh, i don't carry it around with me it is me yes. um and if i know i am i know i am i don't yep. need somebody to tell me that i am you know um i mean it's actually the same with illness isn't it if you're ill you're ill you feel it you know it um you you might want some help from somebody, but I, so yeah, I could I could I could, I could get on my soapbox about diagnosis. I just <laughs> it shows so a powerful language is though, isn't it? Because you if you yeah. break down words yeah. like illness, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's 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 describing the fact that you don't feel like yourself. Yeah, so yeah. there's something wrong with your body. Whereas wellness yeah. is obviously the opposite of that. So you're feeling well. So yeah, things like what you're saying adhd autism they are not illnesses if you feel they're part of your core and i and i was thinking exactly i was doing that whole you know when people go yes and they click like that when you're like thinking with my with my identity as well it's like yeah there's nothing wrong with me so why is it treated as such as it's, it's a contagion that needs to be but anyway we'll go you know i've done that soapbox 
<laughs> I'm not here to talk about <laughs> so, um, so before um, before we get cracking with some really cool stuff we're going to talk about, um, do you have a particular uh, brew with you at all today, or do you have a tipple that you I, usually go I, for? I do. I have a cup of tea. I, I like a cup of tea uh, in in the morning at any point, actually. Also before I go to bed. <laughs> so so I have got a cup of tea. Um, I mean, it, it, I know. Some you know your guests have talked about what what it's in. My mine mine's just in a cup with lots of cats. Oh, I like it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 not sort of. I wouldn't call myself a cat lady. I do <laughs> like cats, and I do like I have a dog as well. Um, but we I live together um, in my apartment with uh, three of my kids. My eldest son is one of them, and his um, partner. And these are their mugs. Actually, they've got all the cats. <laughs> and one with dogs but i like it this is a weird thing so um if my tea is in a um in the wrong kind of mug it looks like dishwater and i can't drink it even if i poured so if i poured this tea into another mug and it looked weird i couldn't possibly drink it uh so i think it's something to do with mugs that have got like white inside them they're okay Hmm. but if they're dark mugs and i dark mugs so i've got this thing about pottery i'm a really um, i'm a bit of a pottery nerd and a glazing nerd um so all the mugs that i like the look of tea doesn't look great in them right um, okay yeah. so <laughs> yeah no i get that i get that I, I, I don't there's probably something you know something scientific something to do with color spectrums and all of that don't know what it is but it yeah has to be in the right mug so people listening why do you have a favorite mug, right? Could it be mm. what, what Shapnam's just said, folks? Could that be part of the reason why you have a certain favorite mug? Of course, we have we can have favorite mugs because they were a certain gift from someone special or, you know, I don't know how many mugs you got from being a teacher. I got quite a few myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, but one of my favorite mugs is my the world's okayest geography teacher mug given to me by an ex-student called Elise, so who was a very funny young lady. <laughs> she was absolutely lovely. Um, so I treasure that mug, but, um, yeah, if, if I have a certain drink, I have to feel like it's got to be in, it can only be like in a certain few mugs, like, and there are tons of mugs in the cupboard in the back, yeah. picking up dust, up, not touch. They're perfectly serviceable as mugs. They're probably nice. They're quite pretty, but I always go for the same mugs or mugs time off time. She says, uh, drinking out of a flask and there is a reason why I'm doing that. Um, I know, I noticed yeah, that. <laughs> um, so I'm drinking out of a flask mug because uh, when I went for lunch with colleagues the other day at the university, um, they had this really lovely winter tea brew, which I loved the sound of. It was like cinnamon, orange, um, like, and some other fruits in there, just an infusion of stuff. And actual, they, they put all that stuff in the mug and then they just gave you hot water and then you, and it was gorgeous. And I loved it. So as soon as I finished it, I just stuck all that stuff in my flask, took it with me, and I've just been refilling this flask with hot water ever since <laughs> until, until I know the taste is gone. So that's why it's um, – and I'm putting it in this small one rather than just tipping it into a big mug because otherwise I'm just going to down it all, you know. It's almost like <laughs> – Sounds delicious. Yeah. So – but um, yeah. that's – yeah. Yeah. I've, I'll have to look that up a little bit more about the I, I know. For, for I need to find – yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah that's a good point. I, th- I, th- I mean i think it's it's it is fascinating a lot of people do don't they they have a favorite mug and like why is that um oh. and 
I mean, I, I, I like the look of things. I really do. I'm, I'm kind of a, a bit of an aesthete, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, it, it does seem weird. And, you know, you, I can put that same mug of tea into another one and it will look really watery. It's, it's, um, I don't know why. <laughs> oh, we're onto something here. And folks, if there isn't a stream of research on this right now, get on with it. Get on with it. Come on, I want to see the research papers. So you you you've uh, you said also that you're a you're a northeaster and you're located currently in Sunderland. So mm-hmm. is that is that your stomping grounds then? Has it always been your stomping grounds up there in Sunderland? It's, it's a strange one, Sunderland. So I mean, I I uh, I grew up my parents were doctors and we 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 invariably when i was you know very young we kind of lived in hospital flats and that kind of thing you know went 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 around um so all over the northeast while my parents were working in hospitals um and then my my mum um sort of took uh she she became a gp um and uh we settled in east durham in a new town called Peter Lee, uh, and at, first of all, we were actually in a uh, one of the one of the pit villages called Horden, and we lived above the surgery. Um, and so, I lived sort of there. Then, when I um, when I left home and I started um, work, uh, I ended up working in Sunderland, and I worked for um, Nat West of all places. Okay. <laughs> Um, worked there. So I kind of worked there and lived in Peterley. And then I left and I went to university in Sunderland as well. And that's where I trained as a teacher, still living in Peterley. Uh, and then when my middle son, just before my middle son was born, we bought a house in Sunderland. Uh, and I've kind of just been back and forth from here since then. So since my, you know, my, my late 20s, it's it's kind of always featured. Uh, I moved away for about fifteen years. You know, went to the northwest uh, and kept my place here, right. uh, and we've we've returned. So it's to the same to the same apartment as well. So it's um, it's a really strange kind of journey coming back and and actually seeing seeing the city change over mm. that time. Um, my my youngest and I we went for a walk in 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 one of the parks, um, the main park in the city, and I was kind of just talking to him about sort of you know history geography um, and about the fact that you know where we live we're really lucky we've got three big parks but they're all very different um, so we've got one which is a very natural kind of park you know it's sort of lots of overgrown bits and and sort of pathways through um, woodland areas and and sort of wild grass and, and and all of that and then we've got a park that's sort of been landscaped slightly but it's been renovate I think it was renovated in 2009 so just as I left Sunderland um, and that's got sort of structured natural areas mm. as well as you know, sort of a play area etc but it's kind of been made to look natural and then we've got the um the main park in the city which i was telling him is like a, a victorian landscape park um and how they're all very different uh, and and huh. he was kind of like putting the you know how they you know what makes them different uh so yeah so to see you know it's things like like I said, you know, the, how the city has changed and, and um, over the sort of past, 
oh gosh, well, like I say, 20 years, my middle son was born here. He's 24. So, you know, we've seen a lot of changes. Yeah. And a lot of people listening who are geography teachers, Sunderland is like a big place for a case study, a lot of different case studies, usually, usually surrounding like the old industry and like, yeah on like the nissan car plant or something like that um so i did two weeks um placement at nissan uh when i did my degree um and i was actually on the factory floor um and i had to my i was working with a guy who put in the back like the back windows of the cars they were doing it was the micra at the time um and you know you had to kind of that, that was his job placing the um the the, the 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 back window in there uh and i was there because i was doing my dissertation and my dissertation was around um maths in the workplace uh okay uh so i kind of like conducted some you know interviews with all the guys on the shop floor about whether they thought they were good mathematicians or not and you know did they they like maths at school because they used a lot of mental so this was around about the time of the numeracy strategy coming in you know and um so that development of mental math strategies and there wasn't just one way of doing it you know uh and these guys were amazing they were so quick and yet the majority of them thought that they were terrible at maths you know they were like oh yeah 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 didn't do maths didn't do well at, at school with maths but and they had to do like on the spot because they um so the you know they had sort of like this competitive element that you know you've got to get as many right. done as you can in the time um and so yeah they, they they were great at calculating how many bits of glass or whatever or you know that they were doing uh so yes yeah, so that was my uh my my little foray into uh into nissan for two weeks <laughs> amazing yeah well the... <laughs> this little five foot two south asian you know, <laughs> girl in amongst all these big guys that's um, such... but that's really interesting story is just perfectly illustrates doesn't it how how in in some ways uh our education's i mean I know I'm talking preach the convert how our education system is severely flawed. You know, how can someone who where maths is so integrated into their job and and from what I've heard from I mean I've never worked in a factory, but my grandparents' generation in particular, and to an extent before before my dad joined the police force and my mum became a VD operator, you know, the, the generation where they were starting to put paper-based stuff on a computer-based stuff. You know, they worked in um in an old factory. And and there were a lot of identity is embedded in being those kind of workers and those kind of secondary industry yeah. workers, and um, and so for them to, you know, for, for them to not be able to appreciate those inherent talents and skills that they have that they must have to succeed at their job that they're so passionate and proud about, and you say yeah. well, and so to say well what you're doing actually is there's such a disconnect isn't there between. Well, school has been trying to teach you that these maths are important in life, but they're not seeing that. And yet me no. as a geographer, certainly, um, and, you know, my my friend, best friend, Clive, who used to be a maths teacher, we used to go around saying, well, you know, you want, you actually you will be using this in real life. And then all the kids are saying, nah, I'm never going to use this in real life. These folks still think they're not using it, but are actually yeah. doing a better job with it because of the applied nature of it. Because exactly. Yeah. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's about applying it and seeing it in context. 
um, you know, that, that, that kind of made a difference. Plus, they were all of a generation, you know, I'm talking about I was at university um, in the mid-90s, so to, the, the, these guys will have been at school, you know, um, sort of a good 15 years before that as well. Um, and the idea that it was all about sort mm. of, you know that mental calculations. You, you you couldn't you couldn't kind of um, go away from the stra- the strategy that you were taught. You know, it's this is how you do it, and that's that. So if you couldn't do it like that, you thought you were rubbish at math. And you know, whereas they yeah, developed mental strategies yeah. to work out calculations that were much faster. Um, you know, so yeah, it was fascinating, really fascinating. It's just, I mean. I, I, I like I like the darts sometimes when they come on once a year the professional darts come and they and there's so many inter- interviews with darts players and they turn around and say um, oh you must have been brilliant at maths at school and they're like no I was rubbish <laughs> and yet they can calculate exactly <laughs> they're they're in the middle of throwing a dart and they can calculate exactly, exactly. what they need to throw it's like I'm like come on it's like we're teaching math all wrong really and we should really should be like doing these kind of really yeah, dartboard in the classroom for heaven's sake absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it might be slightly problematic, I'm sure, for some people. But um, <laughs> the climate, energy, and cost of living crises has us all thinking about how we power our homes. If you're looking to switch for any of these reasons, see if one of Octopus Energy's tariffs is right for you. Octopus Energy are not sponsors of this podcast, but they do supply the energy to the house where it is made. If you make an informed choice to join Octopus Energy, use the referral code READFOL15. That's READ, as in the plant, full as in a young horse, and the number 15 to split 100 pounds. The split received by us will go directly towards continuing Geogrambling's education efforts, like paying the subscription to maintain this podcast. If you missed that referral code, check the show notes for a link. Yes, so going back to your identity again. Um, mm. So you said that you had quite a substantial time in the Northwest. So I guess, it was, was it the Cumbria area, I believe? So um, just, just just below, yeah, Lancaster. Um, Lancaster. Uh, that, that, that's where I was based, yeah. So 15 yeah. years is quite a substantial amount of time. And, and so what would you say then in terms of, first of all, these these geographically they're the either side of the country you know you're the northeast the northwest you know for us down here in the south it's just the north right so <laughs> um but, but you know you just get on them you just get on the motorways and it just says in great big you know on the blue signs the north this way and everything's north so but um did you did you notice then a very distinct kind of characteristics culture between the northeast and northwest and have have has you today you know merge some of those identities into yourself is there a bit of northwest in you as with you living with the, your northeast yeah, I, I, that, that's, that's really interesting I, didn't, I hadn't kind of thought about that but um definitely I think we've, we've kind of brought you know some of the northwest sort of back with us um and I, having grown up like I said in the northeast in in cities and towns um and having to kind of go out to countryside but the coast was really important when i was in the northeast you know the coast was always there but when Mm. i went across to the northwest that that went missing um even though you know you had like morecambe bay and you could have gone kind of further down to like blackpool but 
where where I lived in Lancaster, you were you were you were removed from that, um, and it was also on the wrong side, if that makes sense. So you know, you you kind of traveling down the M6, and you think, wait a minute, but but the the, the water is on the wrong <laughs> wrong side. So going north and south, it it was really quite. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of your spatial awareness was affected because for so many yeah, years, you know, traveling north, the sea was on, you know, on my right hand side, it was, it was there. And that if you travel north across the other side, it was on the wrong side. But um, the landscape was very different. And it was, you know, um, the the sort of the, the, the trees are different over there and I noticed that a lot you know that um the the kind of um there was a lot more sort of it was more deciduous it seemed over that side than than, than it did it is over here but, but again because probably to go to you know kind of woodlands and forest you, you you're going sort of north again from from the cities to get out and get into Northumberland, you know, or you're travelling west into Durham and sort of towards the Pennines um, to to sort of get that countryside. So so I think we um, yeah we 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 became more involved in nature as a family. I think um, being over there. Um, it was a lot less mm. urban. I remember saying when I moved over there that, you know, I did not own a pair of wellies um, or a waterproof coat. I, That's I, sacrilege where I, from, from my yeah, point yeah. of view. <laughs> you know, just, just it didn't but understandable. Um, yeah. And now I've kind of come back over here, you know, and I've got like, I've got walking boots, I've got wellies, I've got like full waterproof, so it's all, it's the whole mm. lot. Um, so that was, it was a culture shift, I think um in that way and like i said so my, my youngest was born over there um and and he now coming here he notices the difference it's it's much more urban his lifestyle is is is, is mm. much more urban um to the extent that you know he the, well the reason i'm i'm able to do it without any interruptions today is because he's out um at a at a group uh doing an outdoor ed day he um so i i home educate um and a thursday is his outdoor ed day uh and they mm. go off to sort of um a, a little bit further west towards chastley street lumley castle um and there's there's a lot of kind of woodland there and they, they've got a brilliant camp and you know do all of the all of the good stuff that he was used to doing when he was over right. in the northwest yeah yeah oh, so yeah, it's it's you 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 do get the sense of you know the rural urban split when you think of the northeast and northwest. But it's I'm just just thinking without that, if you if you had ever always stayed in Sunderland, mm. you know what what that kind of experience for your for you and your kids would have been how it would have been different. You know whether you would even have a pair of wellies nowadays or it, that, yeah. that's just such a such a simple observation that you've made that I think has got a lot of people thinking about well actually because of course we talk a little about a lot about the the differences in lived experiences between you know and of course we hate lumping people in the categories and we'll, we'll come to that shortly but but you know the difference there is a stark difference between folks who only have had an urban upbringing 
or mm. I've only had an urban rural. You know, it, there are such distinct differences, and there's differences in demographics, there's differences ec- economics, in income, in social. You know, lots of kind of stuff is so much separated by rural urban, and and even when it comes to like the suburban areas as well. Well, you've ju- you've just kind of hit on it. You know that 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 actually. Um a lot of it is to do with our identities. And mm. so, you know, yes, I grew up in kind of urban areas um, and we always went out to do the nature, you know. It was like we would actually, as when I was a child, you know, we would go to the Lake District. Um, we'd go to the Lake District. We'd go up to Northumberland. We'd, we'd, we'd go on days where we would experience, we'd go up to Scotland to experience nature and the countryside and and all of that. Um, and interestingly, going over and living in the Northwest and having the Lake District like half an hour away, you know, I started to see that as, as, a, as a brown person, as a brown woman, you know, that the, these spaces are so white um, yes. and, yeah. and not actually welcoming. You know, you, you, uh, and I, I kind of, you know, I, I don't think and I, I saw it so obviously, um, but it's like, you know, well, you're not from here. Um, you're, 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 you're a tourist, you know, um, mm. and actually thinking, well, 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 no, this country is, 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 is mine. You know, I, I was born here, I've lived here. It, it's sort of, so to feel, um, that some of those spaces were not not welcoming was was re- quite 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 a shock you know and sort of mm. um because as i say previously we would have visited them as tourists but not in the same you know no i i didn't realize that that's how people were looking at us that that's how people saw us um that that we did not belong right. i mean didn't belong full stop you know uh so i mean that that was that that was a bit uh, I think people didn't see that either. They didn't, you know, people who know me would be like, yeah, but you're, yeah, you, you surely didn't feel like that, you know, in those spaces. And I was like, yeah, no, there, there are lots of spaces where I could feel people looking all mm, the time, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and that comes with, with that territory of, of having, you know, when your skin is a different color, um, that it's, well, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this space? This is not a space where you belong, uh, and and sort of Cumbria is very much like that. You know, it's it's, it's a very white white sort of mm. space, um, which sort of led me onto the work that I do. Um, you know, in in Cumbria with um, yes. with anti racist Cumbria, which is actually what I was wanting to move on to now because it's a really really good segue actually. Um, so yeah, so your so on your Twitter profile because I'm saying Twitter, um, you've got listed that you're the educational lead, I believe, for anti-racist Cumbria. So, yeah, I think this is a perfect time for, for you to kind of like segue on onto that, because I think this is really fascinating, interesting work. And it says anti-racist Cumbria is registered charity creating response to the Black Lives Matter mo- movement with the ambition of being the first county the, the which is actively fully anti-racist. So this yeah. is really fascinating. It, I, I mean, it's it sort of, you know, it's always been there. It's always been something uh, uh, as a, you know, a, a woman of colour. But I, I think um, not really coming to terms with that myself either. 
uh, and the impact of, of 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 racism, not just outward, right? You know, sort of the the obvious racism that people experience and still do experience, but but those um, you know that institutional systemic kind right, of racism yeah. um, that exists uh, and the subtle ways in which. It, it, it divides and it and it marginalizes. So I I mean I I kind of um, followed them through the the, the, the pandemic um, and and sort of thought this is a great what a great organisation that started up. I, I really need to get you know go and go and go and meet these people. Um, and I you know I would post and sort of comment on their posts uh, and I I left headship um sort of just before the pandemic and then decided to do an MA so I'm I'm uh sort of still doing my MA (laughs) 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 just because I you know I I, I kind of have a lot on um but my MA was in uh race and decoloniality so it I, I was just I thought I need to know more and I need to educate myself and I want to actually do something explicitly rather than it being just a thread going through. And it was mm. through that that I started work as a lecturer. Um and then those, you know, started those connections with with um with ARC, with Anti Racist Cumbria. And a job came up for you know they, they they were looking for for somebody to support schools and, and organizations so i kind of thought well, i've never done this kind of thing before you know i've not worked for a charitable organization you know n- nothing to do with the sector um went for it uh you know uh, uh, the job at the time that was going was for um sort of like a uh grassroots community worker uh, and I, I kind of went for it, did it, and they loved my, my, you know, my presentation. Um, but rightly, somebody else got it who had done work in that field. Right. Yeah. Um, but they got in touch and just said, "Look, we absolutely love what you had to offer, but really, we think this isn't the job for you. We want to make, a, you know, we, we want to create something where you can you can support." Um, and so, so they got some funding, uh, and this role was, you know, came out of that. Uh, and so I worked with schools across the county, um, working with with sort of teachers, not not directly with children, but with, with, with teachers and head teachers on their kind of anti-racist journey. And some of the, I think the, the you know the the um, the difficulties that they that they face um, are to do with this um, this idea that you know. Um, there are uh, people don't understand lived experience and they don't don't mm. you know that they, they, they don't know what it's like to be um the only black person in the village you know um and and kind of i i, I it, that resonated because where i lived in lancashire you know we were the only family and it was very visible you know you go to the pub mm. and people would look you know walk down the street to the village post office people would look um so it, it the the work that they're doing is tremendous i mean it, you know it's it's just grown and grown and grown um we do a summit every year this year the summit we had um david olashuga was our keynote speaker um okay. so you know to get somebody like that to, to, yeah. to come along to an event was was phenomenal um you know but the audiences for those um conferences just continue to double 
all the time. Uh, and it was fascinating. It was, it was a great day seeing so many people come to educate themselves as well, you know, um, and to find out and to show solidarity, I think is, is, mm. is amazing. Um, so they're, they're, you know, I absolutely can see the, the, the organization going from strength to strength. Um, it, it's run by, you know, three incredibly amazing women uh, that are just inspirational. You know, they are phenomenal, phenomenal people. Mm so much energy um and and just honesty you know right. um and i think that's 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 what's important they are honest about what is going on and what needs to happen and they don't pull any punches with anybody you know it's like um so it, it's yeah it's, it's it's been a really real privilege to work alongside people like that um and the sense of community is 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 something else you know you when people hear about and are kind of signposted to injustice i think people start to come out and and, mm. and show solidarity and kind of go yeah look i need to I, I need to do something about this and 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 that that is very visible there very 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 mm. yeah. that um, sounds absolutely amazing yeah it's and and for though and I'll shout out to the to these people as well because for, for where I where I can relate with my own lived experiences to to kind of really be confident in your identity and do that work of trying to help people understand it and to educate people it is so exhausting it can be frustrating it can be upsetting and you can you can you know it's it's I've, I, I coined a term based on something else called the, the visibility paradox, where yeah. you want to be visible, you want to show that you know we are out there in the community, we are parts, all this kind of stuff, and yet it always seems to fall on us to yeah. do these kind of things. But so uh, hats off to folks like those those three people, and and of course um, demographically, I mean, when I looked at the census information, the last census in twenty twenty one. Because I was really interested in the in the new data about gender identity and sexual mm. orientation, but then when you look at other demographic um, information, then that part of the UK is is not very diverse in terms of those different characteristics. It's one of the least diverse parts of the country. Now here down in Norfolk, we're, we're better is not the right word to say, but we're we're slightly more diverse, but we're still mm. in the high nineties of being quite homogenous. And so there's parallels between Cumbria and, and Norfolk in that respect, very yeah. rural county, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. and so and here we've you know some growth is going up with the Norfolk DEI group, stuff like that, who are who are teachers in the in the area in the Suffolk DEI group and that kind of stuff. And then you've got these folks in anti-racist Cumbria. And then we've got nationwide, we've got the decolonizing geography group, which I'm a part of as well, to so give a shout out to them. But it is tiring work, especially yeah. when if you're from Cumbria and almost everyone around you is like you, and the only news you hear of other people mm. is what comes from you know, usually it's it's the bad news. Usually it's yeah. there's there's riots because of Black Lives Matter, or there's or there's protests because of 
Gaza, you know, and all these kind of things. And so when you see a diverse range of people of all creeds and colours doing their marchings down in London, but up in Cumbria, you look around you, well, I can't see anyone like me who's marching on that kind of thing, that it's them who's doing that kind of stuff. That makes it even harder. Yeah. So what a place to do this work, Cumbria. It's probably the hardest, one of the hardest places in the UK this must be done. Not because the people are probably, are angrier or they're more racist or anything like that, but just because their lived experiences and their, exposure to the the wonderful diversity of this country and this planet it's just not as much as everyone else no exactly and uh, yeah and uh, and in terms of educators you know as a, as a teacher that 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 has to come back to us we've got to do that you know and it's yes. important it's more important in areas where there is a lack of diversity to to actually teach about you know what what it's all about you know that 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 our, our society is still racist. It's still racist. It's it still, is. you know, yep. um, it's still homophobic. It's still transphobic. It's still all of these things. We're not in some, you know, utopia. You're, or we mm. haven't actually, we think, people keep saying, oh, but we've come so far. And it's like, yeah, but have we? Have we really come that far? No, we haven't. We've only come a tiny, tiny bit. Yeah. And then every time we take steps back, Sure. Whose lens have we come from? Exactly. Yeah. That, well. That's it. Yeah. 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 There's people wearing those rose tinted glasses who have not yeah. has yeah. had the intersectional experiences or lived experiences. Yeah. They're the ones who tend to say we've come far. Uh, and I used to say that. I used to say absolutely. that as a white person. Yeah. But th- this is it. Yeah. I mean, I, I said to my students only the other day, you know, I said, look, look, when we talk about things like white privilege, we're not just talking about skin color. You know, we all have our proximity to white, not we all, but, you know, I, I can speak myself and say, I, I have proximity to whiteness, yep. you know, I'm middle class, I have a, all of these things that, that offer me privilege, but you have to then, like, you have to be able to acknowledge that and, like you say, look through different lenses because it's not just people who look like you, but it's people who exactly. are positioned like you as well. And I have to acknowledge that, that there may be people who look like me, but actually my position is different to theirs because I am afforded certain privileges. So I have to I check those privileges, yeah. you know, I have to check those and kind of go, hang on a minute. Yeah, I might be okay in this particular context, but that's because I have that privilege, yeah. you know? So let me put myself, let's think about the lived experience of the other person and like, what? how do they see it? You know, what is it like for them? Um, yeah. And that's, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, so, so as I say, brown woman, cisgendered, but you know, I'm I I'm autistic, I have ADHD, um, and I think a lot of those, you, you kind of look at the, the the kind of if you look at like a wheel of power and how much of mm, that do you yeah. have? I've you seen know? visualizations like yeah, that. Yeah, and I think that that's we all need to just sort of take a look at ourselves and see that we might think things are have moved on but exactly what you were saying because of our privileges um and we need to kind of put them aside um in order to have some impact Pain, painful is not really the right word but it was awkward for me to admit it because because uh, you know it's not part of my identity but i've now come to realize and be comfortable in saying that i i benefit from the residue of male privilege so, for example, because, yeah. you know, even though I'm not male, I have, because I was presenting as such and being treated as such for most of my life, I have benefited from that male privilege. So, record, but now that I'm, you know, 
you do have to go. So people listening, you do have to go through that discomfort. It's mm. necessary. But when you come out the other side of that, you feel so much, you feel so refreshed and you feel a bit liberated, to be honest. Yeah. You know, very every, much. every time I have a chat with someone like you or someone that's in this podcast, or I get called out on something, I, I have that initial, you know, especially when I get called out on something, I get that initial shudder, discomfort, but then I realize why I'm having that discomfort. And it actually is, it's it's like um, you know the, the the you know the spoonful of sugar with the medicine kind of thing, you know. Def- definitely, definitely. So um, it's, and I I love it. I've got a dick. As I said to you before we start recording, I've got a dick <laughs> to it actually. That yeah. that feeling of of being made uncomfortable for the right reasons, and then yes. going, yeah. wow, I never looked at it that way. That's actually opened my eyes, and and then all of a sudden, you another color gets added to your palette when you're looking at the world. Yeah, and it's really, beautiful. I, it it is beautiful. You 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 you're right, and I think you know I, as a as an educator, but also as a parent, I'm I'm kind of trying to be as open as possible to that. Yeah, um, yeah you know. Yeah. Uh, and I, like, I, like I said to you before we started recording, you know that it, I, I, you have to say right, this stops with me now. Yes. This, this this is this is the time to stop it. I've got to do something about it. Hey, educators. If you teach any geography, environmental or human or physical science-based topics, then check out Kit Marie Rackley's website at geogramblings.com. There you will find musings, blogs, resources, analyses, and more. Perhaps you want to brush up, learn, or dig deeper into a geographical issue. Or you're looking for a resource you can use in the classroom. Or maybe looking for someone with an award-winning, diverse expertise and skill set to collaborate with you on a project. Kit Marie offers free 30-minute friendly consultations if you're looking to brainstorm ideas. Jog on to geogramblings.com to explore and find out more. Well, so we're, we're, we're a little bit over time, but we, I want to get 10 more minutes in here. I'm, you know, the fact that I okay. have, I'm putting that aside. I still want 10 more minutes with you, right? <laughs> Because this is, I love, I'm loving this chat. Um, so we've, there's a few things that you've, you've, you've mentioned that you've got a love of rocks and pottery and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can com- combine two things for, for spill the beans really, because um, see if I can twist this a little bit, but you can take it how you like. Now you say that you would absolutely love the idea of getting a tattoo, but you can't stand the thought of getting one. <laughs> So I'm just thinking, is there any way, can we, can we combine rocks, pottery and tattoo somehow? I think I'm just, I'm clutching at straws here, to be honest. But, okay. All right. If there was, if there was, um, oh, a design that you would see, ah, I've got it. I've got it. Mm. You may have thought about this. You may not. This may be a new thing for you. I might be giving you an idea for a tattoo. I don't know. So you can get some really intricate designs which only seem to go well on pottery or or rock art or something like that. So okay. is there anything you've got or you've seen in terms of the pottery world, you think, you know what, that design, that would look pretty cool as a tattoo. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Is there something that I've seen in the rock world or, oh, crikey. I'm putting you on a spot here. You, yeah. you are. I have no idea because I don't really know what the, I, I mean, so with pottery, I, I love it. Like I said, it was more the glazing, and I I love um, the way that um, 
you can get that that sort of is it um uh raku raku glazing um where it's sort of and 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 just the idea of the way that you don't know what's going to come out of the kiln you know you put all the mm. stuff on and then it com- comes out and it's all so i don't know if that could be done as a tattoo like you know um and my wife did something uh, like that yeah, you, uh, get, you get some really lovely lines and stuff like that i don't know that, that kind exactly of where they, i mean what would you yeah. do and you would probably have to do it all the way around no, my arm yeah, exactly. or something like, <laughs> well people do have bracelet tattoos and stuff like that but then that's really in the nervy part and that would probably be really say, <laughs> the whole point of me like avoiding tattoos is like because i'm absolutely scared of needles i don't like needles mm. and everybody kind of goes oh it doesn't hurt very much it's 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 fine it's all right and I just kind of, I mean, you with your electrolysis. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, 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 as a cis woman, I, I, I have a lot of, well, pretty kind of menopause. I had a lot of testosterone, you know, and I, I was a very hirsute, like a young woman, and so like upper upper lip hair. I would have thought about, you know, keep. keep thinking about electrolysis and it was like oh my god no it's like mm. invasive anything invasive and it just yeah yeah like having my eyebrows done i wouldn't i still haven't even ventured there so <laughs> you know but i I'm, i am desperate for a tattoo but i don't know whether it would be it would sort of be rock um and i like rock formations um you know, I I kind of love crags and and screes. You know, the the really mm. pointy sort of um, glacial stuff. Yeah. That that's what I really love. I mean, I guess what I could do. I, mean, I don't think I would. I'm, I'm not not saying I'm going to do this. But, <laughs> I, won't, um, having, I promise I won't hold you to having, this. Having having spent most of my life in Sunderland, um, obviously we have Marsden Rock um uh, on the coast uh sort of not far up from us uh and and i mean you know as people do people have things to do with their heritage or whatever don't they so i could maybe have a a tattoo of marsden rock (laughs) 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 i was just a little fun little little thought experiment for you but um things that if you if you feel like you want to Go for it. I'm sure you. I'm sure you can find plenty of tattoo artists who have sympathised with, with you. Numbing cream is, oh, it's a godsend, right? It's I've like, got to do it, haven't I? I've got to yeah, do it. I've got to take So I use this numbing cream. You get it from the farm. It's not cheap, but if you just want a little tiny tattoo, start off a little tiny tattoo, then the numbing cream. And the the, the and the thing is, for, I don't know if anyone realises this, folks, but if if you've used numbing creams because maybe you've had a mould removed or something, I don't know, or something like that, under yeah. local anaesthetic or whatever. But um, because I because I got this whole area that needs to be done, I have to like lather it on, you know, like in the movies when they put on the old shaving <laughs> cream, and then I have to this, and it, I look ridiculous, but it has to be done because <laughs> it has to go on an hour before or an hour and a half before, so I have to cover that with cling film what? i use the eco friendly for cling film. so I, I look like i don't know how what i look like you know when i'm driving and people are looking to the appointment but um you don't have to do that for a t- if you're only getting a little tiny tattoo then then just a little bit of numbing cream and yeah and it does say on the instructions to wrap it in cling film which is not bad if it's going to go around your arm or something like that but it works wonders because <laughs> i had a few hairs and my upper lip pulled out without where the bits where I didn't quite get the numbing cream and that was painful. But uh, yesterday, yesterday, folks would have heard on the podcast. Yeah. I didn't say out or out or anything or any time. In fact, it was, 
Yeah, it was Abby turning around and saying to me, can you just shift this way? You're pulling your head away a little bit, you know. But that was it. So the numbing cream, it works wonders. So... Oh, no, gonna, that might I, help yeah, you. That I, might help I feel, you. I feel, I feel like I, I, I do. I need. I need to get one. It is one of those things that I'm absolutely. You know, I, I, I desperately want to get one. Um, I mean, they're also very expensive, so it's yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, you do, you do, you do pay what you, what they're worth with the talent. I, I, the, I'll have to start up a savings pot and then, you know, <laughs> and then, then go, folks, go and get one. Come on, yeah. coffee and geography. <laughs> so, you know, do you want to contribute towards? <laughs> Yeah. Can't you shove them under the needle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we have to bring this wonderful chat to a close now. So the last bit then, we are all geographers. So are you ready to this then? Where we're going to link you back to you to, to my sadist. Uh, yes. um, okay. And she, um, so she did a, a great job talking about rictus, which is the grimacy smile. I didn't even know that was a thing. So when, you, ah. when, when someone smiles like... Like that, you know, yeah. grimace smile, or or you know when you say smile for the camera, I am smiling. No, you're not smiling. Smile for the camera. That's okay. a ripped smile, right? A ripped smile. So she, that's what she had to do. But she said, "Oh, I need to. I'm going to think of something. Think of something job related." And I don't even know if you know what this were, but she's gone through electrocautery for you. Electrocautery. Do you know what it, I had to look it up? Do you know what it is? Is that like where they they like cauterize you? It sounds like is that is it to do with that cauterizing? This is hair? great for someone who hates needles. I uh, like they stick like because it goes into the follicle and they have to like yeah. So it's it's often used during that's it. It's used during surgery to remove <laughs> unwanted or harmful tissue uh, and seals the blood vessels. It helps to stop bleeding during surgery or after an injury, and it is a very Ooh. it's a completely safe procedure. But I just realised now that it probably that probably should have come with a content warning if you don't like needles. <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, but anyway, you can take that however you like. So it could be part of the definition. It could be that in itself. You could just talk about how much you hate needles for 30 seconds. I, I, I could. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've i seen it on I've, I've seen it on on um, on documentaries where they do it. I'm not a squeamish and I don't. I'm not, okay. But. Um, right. I'll give you oh. 30 seconds to just whatever you want about it. For 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, I don't know. This is really. It has. She's. She's totally thrown me. Um, yeah. I mean, I. I do. I hate needles, but I. I kind of get. I get that you would have to use that sort of process. Um, I don't know. No, I've. I. You stumped me. The first me. time I've had 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 it flummoxed. You absolutely it? flummoxed me. Abby, I, I you flummoxed my guess. What are you, you doing? Really you, you stab like, me with needles. You, you cause all me all this pain, and yeah, you cause. St- and then you flummoxed me. You're oh my causing god! Causing my guests' pain as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. No, it was a treat. I, I, in all fairness, I, I would have, I would have struggled. So I'm trying to think. Why Stop you... bleeding during so. Well, the only thing, the only thing I would have said, but this is, I'm, I'm now pulling on the my geographical knowledge now. <laughs> I'm thinking like maybe there might be portable electrocautery kits for responders to places where there's been a major yes. disaster like an earthquake or something like that and them having perhaps, to do on-field perhaps. surgery that's the only yeah. thing i could really yeah 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 think of. yeah a bit so, of social geography uh yeah, yeah. see i was still stuck on rocks <laughs> that's my fault but <laughs> whenever these things kind of happen folks don't blame the guest you blame the host <laughs> You always blame the host. <laughs> the guest is always wonderful. 
Oh, but you do get to have your own back in a way. You get to pay it forward to a next guest. So any words you you like, so long I guess it's as long as it's not related to needles. Okay, so so I'm 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 gonna uh, gonna throw a HDMI. That's cool. No, I had anything like that before. I'm, I'm trying to find something to write it down when I have a computer in front of me to type it down. Um, that's our ADHD going now, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. This is it. <laughs> H, that's right. So HDMI, we'll have we'll have that then. So for the next guest, folks, uh, they are going to have to link HDMI. Well, if they can link HDMI to geography, that's fine. But just HDMI in general. I, so I know it's high definition. Is it high definition media interface? I think that's what it stands for. Mm. I'm guessing. <laughs> I, I haven't actually looked it up. But anyway, okay. They're just they tend to be the bane of people's lives, don't they? They're oh my god! <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially, you know, let's see, how many ways is it a bane? You walk into a place where you're given a presentation. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, do you have a HDMI cable? No. Oh, I've got a HDMI cable. Oh, sorry, we only have a VGA port. Um, yeah. The HDMI cable's not working. It's not, oh. <laughs> I have an HDMI. Oh, no, now I need a SCART socket. A SCART, a SCART. now that's going back. <laughs> that's SCART. <laughs> oh, folks, okay, so we're going to. We'll end this now. So you've 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 said some uh, hellos and some shout outs to those wonderful people at Anti Racist Cumber. Is there anyone else you'd like to say hi to? Um, oh, I think I've, I've just got to say a big shout out to my kids. Uh, you Aww. know they are all unique and they absolutely define who I am. Um, so I've, I've I've got Matt who's just landed his dream job. Um, he is the marketing manager at Newcastle United Football Club, oh. and I know that's scandalous living in Sunderland. Sunder yeah, I was about uh, to say, yeah. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Matt. You better you better. Stop that hat and glasses. Yeah, I think he's going to have to go out. Uh, collared coat go, when yeah, you're walking around yeah, the Go out in, in incognito. Um, so I've got Matt. I've got <laughs> Shani who teaches English down in London. Um, she's Aww. doing her PhD uh, on trees. Um, so, you know, more geography links yeah, there. The <laughs> um, oh, God, that'd be fascinating. Um, I've also got a shout out to Charles, who's my middle son. Um, he is a poet and um, spoken word artist uh, and uh, is a trans activist. Um, so as, as you know, I am a, a mum to, to a trans son. Um, and then my youngest, uh, Milo, who is just... Uh, oh, he's just amazing. He's he's Aww. he's absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> love him to bits, and he's out there climbing trees and doing all sorts today. I'm getting uh, proud so, mum vibes off yeah, you. Yeah, very, yeah. very, very, very oh, much so. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's that's left me full of. God, my heart is warm now, vibes. All, all warm, warm vibes. vibes. Yeah. And um, I know people can find you on Twitter. They can okay. find me on there. Twitter. I mean, a, a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so you've got you've got so your, your Twitter is Shabs Adam so it's S H A B S A N A M yes. and then your website is dewdropeducation.com I believe it is it is and they can find me on there um, like, but like everybody I think we're you know trying to limit our social media as much as possible absolutely yes and, and get outside instead <laughs> what a lovely <laughs> note Trent. Shep, I've I've really had lots of fun today thank you so so much for joining me for, for this time and uh I've, I've had everything you know we've 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 got on our soapbox rightly so we've we've got some we've got passionate we've gone deep in things but we've also had a big laugh and that's exactly oh it's been a pleasure
it's been wonderful. It has been great. Thank you very much, Kate. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a rave review. Make sure you share and rate each episode as every time you do this. It helps more people find us and continues the conversation. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at Coffee, Geog, Pod, and send us a DM. Or you can email us at coffeegeogpod at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep jogging.